Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Good? All right. So, uh, look, first I want to do uh, a little bit of an introduction, but I think the first thing that I really want to say is uh, because I never sit up front, we're kind of like in, in the middle over here, and, and I largely like hear myself singing a lot of times. Uh, it was very, uh, very cool to sit there and hear the church uh, sing to the Lord. Uh, very encouraging to be able to hear that uh, kind of coming our way. So, first of all, really important to get this out. I am not, in fact, Michael Abrams. Uh, we do sometimes get confused for one another, but uh, I'm not. I'm not Michael, uh, and that's not true. That's Brian that I get confused with sometimes. But uh, look, Michael is. Uh, many of you know we have another campus in Mount Laurel. So Adam is out this week, and Michael uh, gets to minister to that campus, gets to preach to those guys, and he'll be back next week. So Michael calls me, and we're talking about this Sunday. He knows he's not going to be here, and he says, look, I, I think we got to bring in somebody that's amazing, right? <laughs> that's not the part I want you to laugh at, but, <laughs> but he said, I, I want to bring in somebody that's amazing, and I was like, this makes total sense. Let's do it. Uh, so look, unfortunately, that guy's chained up in the back. He looks like Sloth from Goonies, right? He's chained to the wall. He's not getting out, uh, but we'll let him out later. Uh, so you guys get me. And, uh, you know, so if you don't know me, I'm Richard Self. Uh, I get to serve here as one of the elders uh, along with Michael and with Joe Harvey. So I get the honor uh, of preaching to you guys today. Uh, I will say I know Michael misses you uh, because we talked about it. So, and by the end of the sermon today, you guys will be missing Michael. So it'll be like a real, a real connection that y'all will have. Uh, so I'll say this. One of the things I was thinking through this week is that anytime you do something that you don't do all the time, it can be stressful, right? So I don't preach every week, and that can be a stressful thing to stand up here and do that. But where I got to is I'm like, look, man, I am teaching a word that I love to a people that I love to glorify God that I love. And that's where I want us to be today. Amen? All right. So the other thing is I would love it if we could have a little interaction today. That would be amazing for me. I teach in smaller groups usually, so you are unshackled and you are free to respond, okay? Mostly kindly would be amazing. If, if that could be a thing, I would really appreciate that. Um, but we want to be a good steward of the Scriptures, we talk often about the idea that as a church, we want to be gospel-centered. And what that means is the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? So every time we teach, every time we preach, we want to make much of Christ. So that's what we want to do here today. All right? Uh, and the interaction would be amazing. So we're going to spend a lot of time in 1 Corinthians today. And... Uh, it's just before 2 Corinthians, and I'm not exactly lined up here, and that's really bothering me, so I feel a lot better now. But um, look, so let's talk a little bit about Corinth, all right? This is not the place that we would want to imitate, okay? We're not going to come up here on stage and say, look, guys, we want Chelsea to become like Corinth. That, it's not that. Now, do we have issues? For sure. We're not great. We're not perfect. In Corinth, you got a tremendous amount of sexual sin going on you got a tremendous amount of incest going on. We've got sacrifices to idols. Um, look, this is one of the reasons that Paul is writing this, this letter. So uh, we, we get to learn 
from the letter that Paul wrote to these guys. But I want you to have that context of who he's writing to. So Paul is writing to the church, the church in Corinth. So we're going to spend some time in chapter 12 today. And I want you to know kind of where, where the scripture is seated. So I, in, in the you know, beginning of chapter 12, you've got a talk about spiritual gifts. And then Paul talks about unity in the body, talks about the different uh, parts of the body. So that's where we're going to spend a lot of our time today. And immediately following that is what we call the love chapter. Okay? There is, there is a line at the end of our scripture today that I've read however many times. Uh, and then this week it was just impactful in a different way. So we're going to camp out just a little bit on that. But uh, we're going to start in 1 Corinthians uh, 12. And I'm going to read 12 through 26, but before I do that, I'd love to, um, to pray for us, okay? Father God, we love you. Uh, God, I'm so thankful uh, that you let us come together. God, that you brought us together. Uh, I'm thankful that we get to, to study your word. I'm thankful that uh, we'll be guided by your spirit. Uh, God, I pray that your word um, challenges us today. I pray that it changes us today. Uh, God, I pray that we glorify you uh, in all the things that we do today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, uh, leading in today, I was like, all right, the most stressful part of this for me, I think, is reading this big chunk of scripture. Because if you fumble it, everybody's looking at their Bible or looking at the screen, and they know you fumbled it. All right? So, the Bible is just full of telling people to have grace. So, like, I think you guys are, like, contractually obligated to give me grace if I fumble, all right? So, so let's read. We're going to start in verse 12, and we're going to go through 26. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, many, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, uh, that does not make it any less part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chose. Uh, if we were all a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. Uh, and our unrepresentable parts, our unpresentable parts, there you go, grace, our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Uh, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is the word of the Lord, to which we say, thanks be to God. So, question. Has anyone in here ever tried to walk on their ear? Like, on purpose? Hey, I got a no, and I love it. Thank you. So, and I mean on purpose, because like I know some of you, and like I know some of you have done it accidentally, okay? But I mean intentionally, we would never wake up and say, you know what? I think I'm going to walk in the building using my ear. This would not be the wisest decision that we've ever made. 
Have you ever tried to smell food with your eye? If you're eating hot wings, it's not great. Okay, it burns. You're not going to have a pleasant experience. You ever, like, go to the gym, stand at the gym, you're looking at your arms, pretend like your legs don't exist because you always skip leg day? We know it happens, right? I see people shaking their head. So, uh, look, in verse 18, we learn that God arranges the parts of the body as he chose. So, I think one of the things that's really important to understand as we walk through this is that if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, you are a part of the body. And you are a part of the body that God chose you to be. Okay? So we can fall into this trap, this comparison game of looking at, oh, this person has this gift. Oh, this person's good at this. This person's good at that. Look, I want you to know you are a part of the body of Christ. And you are the part of the body of Christ that God designed you to be. Okay? That is, that's worthy of an amen. Thank you. So, so we want to focus in on that. Uh, I, I think that we can all fall into this thing of feeling less than, feeling like we're not a part of the body. And we see, biblically, that's not right. We should not do that. So if you ever feel less than, if you're ever walking around and you're like, man, this person has this gift. They're so much more valuable than me. Don't do that. Just don't do that. Okay. If you ever walk around and you're like, oh, man, if I were only like this person, if I could only have these gifts, I'd be so much better. Don't do that. Okay. You're created in the image of God. All right. You're an image bearer of the God that created the heavens and the earth. That's powerful. Like, I don't want you to just hear that. I don't want you to answer that on a test. I want you to believe it in your soul. You were created in the image of God. If you are a follower of Christ, you are the part of the body that God designed you to be, and the church needs you. Okay? That is what we're learning here in Scripture. So, here's a question. Are we a culture of people that imitate other people? Absolutely. We do that all the time. Look, we imitate people that are good at sports. We imitate people that are good in romance. We imitate people that are good in business. We imitate people that are good in finance. We imitate people that have social media fame. Okay? I'm looking at this side of the room when I say that. All right? I know you guys do it because I see you do it. All right? I'm not coming down on you. I'm just saying there's a better person to imitate. Anybody want to guess who you should imitate? Jesus. Jesus. That's right. We want to imitate Jesus. So... Is it okay to imitate people in your Christian life? Yes. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1 Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You don't imitate people's behavior. You imitate their faithfulness. You imitate them imitating Christ. So I'll share with you guys a little story. <clears throat> a lot of you I know, uh, and, and so some of you know, know parts of my story, but I was saved at 21 which is like, you know, on a chart, not the most common age in life that God saves a person, uh, but, I'm, but I'm thankful that he did, okay? Like, we can, we can praise that. So, don't know a lot of the Bible, don't know much about church, just know that I see some guys a generation ahead of me that might have, like, you know, kids that were my age, or, you know, I guess I was a young adult at my age, and I'm like, oh, like, these are good guys. These are, these are guys doing things right. So, in my mind, I'm like, I'll just act like them, right? I'll just behave like them. So you can just start to modify your behavior, okay? And start imitating how someone behaves. 
And that's not what we're talking about here. Okay, That's like white-knuckle Christianity. That's where I'm trying to control everything, and that's exhausting. All right? If you're living your life in this white-knuckled fashion where you're trying to control everything and you're trying to control how you look and how you behave, you've got to let go. Okay? And what you do is you submit to God and you follow him. So somewhere along this path where I was doing the wrong thing, um, I'm like, no, no, like, I think these guys are amazing because they're following Christ. Right? God has changed them into being this person that I think is good. So like, what I should do is I should imitate that. Okay? So I should then imitate them as they imitate Christ. But the challenge there is, if that person is a foot and I'm an ear, I don't need to just act like a foot. I need to be the part of the body that God designed me to be. And I think that's one of the big ideas uh, that we have here, is that you want to be able to uh, learn from people's imitation of Christ, do that, and exercise the gifts that God gave you. That's discipleship, okay? That's discipleship, that's how the body grows, and that's what we want to do. So one of the, uh, one of the challenging things that, that I'd kind of walked through this week, and I bounced this off of a couple of people, I was like, look, I think this is right, and it's founded in Scripture. I feel very strongly about this. Does it feel okay to say this? And, and ultimately, I got yeses. When it's probably, if I'm telling the truth, why I asked those people, because they would tell me yes. So those people are enablers. But we, we you know, that, that's who we call a lot of times, right? So, look, guys, here's the deal. Consistently in Scripture, we're called to be a part of the body, not apart from the body, okay? Big difference. A part of, not a part from. We are called to be in fellowship with other believers, we are called to be in fellowship in the context of a local church, in the context of community groups, in the context of disciple groups. You know, whatever you want to slice that up, you cannot and you will not grow to your full Christian maturity alone. It doesn't happen. It's not how we're designed. It's not going to work. Okay? So what I want to encourage you, I'm not saying you need to join this church I'm saying you need to be a part of a local body. I'm saying you need to be a part of a local church. Exercise your gifts, okay? Exercise how God has gifted you and created you in the context of that body because everybody needs you, all right? The church universal needs you. It's critical that we do these things. Um, The other side of that is, do we need to spend time alone with the Lord? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We need to have quiet time where we, look, Jesus withdrew, so sometimes we got to withdraw, right? Let's do what Jesus did. That's a solid plan. You want to write something down, write down, do what Jesus did, okay? Withdraw, pray, spend time with the Lord, spend time in the Word. That, in combination with spending time with other believers, helps everybody grow, okay? So absolutely, we need some of that time alone. So in, the, in our lives, right, I, look, I know a lot of folks in here. A lot of people in here are hard workers. A lot of people in here are go-getters. We all work hard at something, okay? Now, the challenge becomes what are we working hard at and what are we working hard for and do we find our identity in these things? So we need to find our identity in Christ. It's super tempting, 
to just let our identity be found in what we do or who we hang out with or where we live or what we drive or our looks or whatever the case may be. Identity in Christ and everything else flows from that. If it's school, it flows from your identity in Christ, right? If it's work, if it's athletics, if it's academia, whatever it is you're doing flows from your identity in Christ. Those two things are not opposed to each other. Those two things need to work together, okay? This is who God made you to be. This is your identity in Christ, and you go and you live that out. So I think one of the challenges that I've thought through over the years is we're, we're very short-term thinkers, okay? So, like, I love Jeff. He's right here, close proximity to me. I care greatly what he thinks about me. So I just do things to impress him and make him think positive things about me, okay? That's not the right way to operate. The right way to operate is to see Christ, you know, be discipled, be faithful, be obedient, live in Christ, and do that in relationship with my friends. We get very caught up in this immediate response, immediate gratification. How are people going to respond to me? Who's going to like me? Who's not going to like me? That's not the most important thing. The most important thing is walking with the Lord. Okay, that's that long-term thing. That's difficult sometimes to do. So, in thinking through this, I was like, man, you know, Jen and I have been a part of a number of different groups. And, and I could sit and think through those groups and the changes, the positive impacts that those uh, groups have made on us. And by the way, some of those people are in this room right now, right? I'm scanning the room and I'm looking at you, and I appreciate you, and I love you, okay? One of the reasons that that's possible is because we're in community with people that are different than us. We're in community with people that are gifted differently than us. And, and we get to grow and learn from the people that are gifted differently than us, okay? And I'm thankful that the Lord has given us those people to help us learn, to help us grow, okay? Um, I've also got individuals, I can make a list, that have impacted us so positively, okay? Um, by the way, some of those people are in this room too, and I'm thankful for you, and I love you. Um, I'm not going to name those names because I would forget someone, and then I'm going to, like, this afternoon feel terrible. But I do want to share some personal stories um, so our first pastor, uh, my first pastor, uh, our first pastor uh, as a married couple, but he's my, my first pastor, uh, was a guy named Brother Kenny, all right? And so again, I walk in, I don't know anything, right? This is a true story, and all of it's true, I promise, uh, not just this. But I remember, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but that's okay because that's how my brain works, and I'll come back. But I, I legitimately, I remember the, the first time uh, that Kenny and Sandra asked, hey, we want you to teach a class. We want you to teach a class. And my response was, I, I, no, like I can't, and I can't because I would lose Bible trivia to the five-year-olds, <laughs> right? And so, like, I'm not equipped, man. I can't do it. And by the way, I've met some of y'all's kids, and I would still lose Bible trivia to them, okay? <laughs> so not, not much has changed, but uh, bless you. But I, I, you know, was like, no, I can't. I'm intimidated because why? I'm not good enough, all right? And here's the deal. I wasn't, and I'm not. Still not good enough. 
But God is great, and that's what matters. Amen? Amen. All right. So look, I did get drawn into teaching a class, and it was fine. But, but look, this, this is a guy that sat in my living room, um, explained the gospel to me, led me in a prayer of confession and repentance, baptized me, took me with him to meet with people that needed to hear the gospel. Uh, you know, when people would come forward and confess and repent, I remember the first time he was like, hey, can you walk over here and counsel this person? And I was like, I, I don't think I can, no. <laughs> right? Like, we have better people, right? Like, here, I brought a list. It's not me. We've got smart people that know things. And, um, but he would, he would pull me along in those things. A hospital visit. Meeting with people. Also, just watching them live, right? You know, husband, wife, father, mother. Uh, you know, they were 10 years ahead, something like that. 10, 10 years older than us, something like that. And, uh, and so they were like that little stage ahead of us where you get to watch that stuff. And you get to watch those interactions. And that wasn't a classroom. That was life, right? You know, we're, we're in there, you know, eating like... Some, some delicious, like, you know, Captain D's cuisine or something, like really high up the chart on the food bar, something like that, and just watching people live and watching people parent and, and love each other. And at the time, I couldn't have articulated to you what was happening. I just knew that the Lord was growing me. I just knew that, you know, we were getting incredibly busy serving. I, <laughs> I knew that. Um, but, but here's the deal. It wasn't because of, of us, right? It was because they love the Lord. And those guys understood that making disciples happens in the context of doing life together. And that making disciples sometimes is just taking a guy along with you that doesn't know anything so he can watch you do it. That's, that's what discipleship looks like so many times in life. Sometimes it looks like this. Sometimes it looks like community groups. Sometimes it looks like dinner and discipleship. But man, so many times it looks like a living room, a car ride. Um, and, and those are some of the things that now that I'm old enough to have like a lot of white in my beard, I can, I can look back and think through, and I see some of you out there with it, and I appreciate you, you're my people. Um, but, but I think that that's one of those things that as I look back, I'm like, man, that was an investment. Um, and, and not often time that those guys had. I didn't know it, but like, hey, you got three young kids. It's not easy to do that stuff, right? Um, but man, it's just amazing to think about the people that have had an impact. The encouragement that I want to give to you guys is to do a couple of things. One, hey, if you've got somebody like that that's had that impact on you, thank them. Reach out to them and thank them. Secondly, if you don't have that person, you need a person or some people that you can grow with. You need a person, bless you, or some people that you can walk with. Okay. Thirdly, hey, let's, let's be that for somebody. All right. That's, that's how the church grows. That's how people are discipled. That's how the mission gets accomplished. Is that we go from being the people, we probably never stop being the people that are discipled and poured into. But in that process, we become people that can pour into other people, okay? That would be a challenge um, if, if you're not doing that. That would be a challenge for you to take, take home with you. On a, on a lighter note, 
You guys remember we used to like call pastors, brother, right? Like I said, brother Kenny. Hey, let's it next week. I want everybody to say brother Michael. <laughs> All right. I mean, don't tell him. He's probably going to listen to this though, right? Do it anyway. All right. Just call him brother Michael. I just, for me, super funny for Michael, very uncomfortable. So it's, it's a win-win. Um, so we, we often try to um, not just have like, look, we're going to look at this one scripture. I'm going to bring some other scriptures in. We're going to see some consistency in scripture. So talking about Paul uh, writing to Corinth, we're going to look at what Paul says uh, to the Romans. Oddly enough, it's in the book of Romans. That might be a surprise to you. Uh, it, it's, ver- it's chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. Uh, he talks about the body again. So Paul says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, to the one who teaches in his teaching, to the one who exhorts in his exhortation, to the one who contributes in generosity, to the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Um. So, so A, th- this scripture is just a reminder of the people that we've been connected to. Like, you know, if, if, you're, if you're not a big hospitality gifted person and you find someone that is, let's lead together. Let's walk together in those things. Uh, find people that complement your gifts, not that have the same gifts. Find the complementary people. Be in a community group together and lead out in that. Okay, do, do these things together. So, do you guys have, have friends that are like perpetual storytellers? You guys have people? Students, you guys probably already have like people that you know that are these storytellers. Like, so, when I was in high school, uh, I worked with a guy who didn't go to, did not go to my high school, but he was like the Spotify of stories, okay? And, and like, so when new people come up, we would just be like, hey, tell them this one. Tell them this story, right? So, we, we almost all have those people. So, like, new people would, would come in. Uh, making minimum wage to bag groceries, and and we would be like, hey, tell them, tell them the one about your coach, right? And so this guy would say, look, my my football coach, when he's frustrated with us because we're not giving effort, will say, guys, I used to coach this swimming team, all right, and I had a guy on the team that swam harder than anybody else. This guy had one arm, and he swam in circles, but he swam harder than anybody else, okay? So. I know this guy, although a great storyteller, like, serious liar, okay? <laughs> Definitely not a true story. There were no swimming teams in that area, but he always made his point. There's a whole physical comedy thing that I'm just not going to do because I've got family here, and I don't want to bring shame uh, to, to the family. I, it would be like Chris Farley. I'd fall right through the stuff. It would not be amazing. But I think what, what's important here is, we all understand that we need everybody that is a follower of Christ to be a part of the body. It's possible that you're a part of the arm that needs to be attached to the body, right? And I want to encourage you to do that, all right? I want to encourage you to attach, to be that part of the body that's needed. So in that, we're going to jump back to 1 Corinthians we're going to finish that scripture out, and, or, and the book ends 
of this scripture uh, I love so much. So we're going to go 27 through 31. Uh, it'll be on the screen if you uh, want to look there. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. So, when I said the book ends, I think there's a couple of things that I want to I hit on here. The first one is, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. All right? So, if you're a believer in Christ, I need you to understand that you are the body of Christ. Okay? You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You're the body of Christ and individually members of it. I don't want you to just know it. I want you to rest in that. Okay? There's something peaceful about understanding that it's not us. It's not up to us. Okay? It's the Lord. He chose us. He gifted us. He put us where we should be within the body. So, um, in the end, the end of this, right, Paul says, and I will show you a still more excellent way. So I told you in the beginning, right, we're going to, uh, this is kind of sandwiched between spiritual gifts and the love chapter. All right? So this is the end of this, you know, First Corinthians scripture we're looking at. So the next thing that happens is what we call the love chapter. Okay? So when he says, I will show you, still a more excellent way. He's saying, literally, that using your gifts in love, whatever those are, is the more excellent way. Okay? So when you have that sense of not being enough, when you have that sense of um, not liking necessarily your gift or you wanting someone else's, the deal is God has gifted you. Those are from God. Use those in love. That's how he designed you, and that's what he wants for you, and that's what he wants you to do. So I think that also should be very encouraging, and also I've used this word a couple of times, like I think that we can rest in that. So I, I talked about that last line, and I will show you still a more excellent way. So in, in preparing for this, I typed up like a whole paragraph about how this week that was really impactful for me, and I had, I mean, just like legitimately brilliant things in there. It was amazing. Okay, you just have to trust me on that because I deleted it. Uh, so, so in, in many times, right, you're going through these things, you're studying, you're, you're researching, you're, you're in commentaries, looking at other things, and I'm like, oh man, like, I just got to use this Charles Spurgeon quote. Okay, so if you don't know Spurgeon, you should know Spurgeon. He's amazing, really, really interesting uh, preacher, good person to study. So, so I brought a quote from, uh, from Charles. And I, I still am not convinced that I can call him Charles, but I'm going to. Uh, so this is, this is what he says about, about this scripture. Uh, I have to speak to you as the apostle writes to these Corinthians concerning a more excellent way. Silver is good, but gold is better. A certain way may be excellent, but another way may be more excellent still. Gifts are good, but grace is better. Get gifts, spiritual gifts, but also get grace. And above all, get the best grace, the noblest grace, the greatest grace. That is love. For love to God, 
and love to your fellow men and love to the church of God. This is the more excellent way. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's good, Charles. I, uh, I really appreciate that. So stole that from him. Appreciate that. So it is possible, guys, to do something really well. Uh, and if you're a student, right, this is super relatable. You're like, hey, I'm doing this well, and people are telling me that i got to be better. Well, in some ways, there's a more excellent way. In this particular case, we're talking about striving for gifts, using your gifts, and that more excellent way being using those in love, right? Um, so I, I, it was really impactful to kind of, kind of talk through that, think through that. And that's not to say that whatever you're doing is bad, right? So if the response is, so you're telling me I'm terrible, definitely not telling you silver is good and gold is better, right? I like, I like that analogy. So the other thing that I want to talk about today, because I did a little thing where I started in the middle, uh, started in the middle of the story in talking about uh, the body uh, of Christ and talking about writing to the church. And the reality is, in, in a room this size, there very likely could be people in here that are not followers of Christ. So I want to talk a little bit through what it means to be a follower of Christ. So I think a person that could probably answer this question really well is the Apostle Peter. All right? So a lot of us are familiar with Acts chapter 2, what happens, that God sends his Holy Spirit, Spirit comes, Peter stands up, preaches the first Christian sermon. Okay? Peter, bit of a rough guy. Uh, he's a guy that denied Christ three times, right? He's a guy that cut off someone's ear with a sword. Uh, he's a guy that put his foot in his mouth so many times that his cheeks should have Nike swooshes on there, okay? He's a guy that is very relatable to me. So, so I appreciate uh, that the Apostle Peter gets to um, preach because ultimately I'm thankful that God uses imperfect people, Amen. Like, if God didn't, I don't know who's walking in the door, all right? You look through the history of Scripture, God consistently is using imperfect people to accomplish his purposes. He lets Peter stand up, teaches, um, and then this is how the people respond. We're going to be in Acts 2, 37 and 38, which will also be on the screen. So this is after the sermon, right? Pete, the, the Holy Spirit comes. Peter preaches. It's amazing. This is what people say. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So one thing to, to note here is that Peter's not alone. Right? We're talking about the body. We're talking about community. Even in this moment of preaching the first Christian sermon, Peter's not alone. Right? They ask the brothers. They ask the rest of the apostles. So it's, they're, they're all there in an effort to minister. So, you know, we don't find that, that Peter is alone. We don't find that we're supposed to be alone. And I think it's important to know we, we have some language in the world of Christianity that's not the best. Uh, and so I want you to know this. You don't find Jesus. Okay? We don't find Jesus. We don't seek Jesus. All right? Jesus seeks us. 
God chooses us. God saves us. Jesus is the good shepherd. Okay? He seeks us. He changes us. The Holy Spirit is the one that changed these people. So, it wasn't because Peter's the greatest speaker in the world. Right? It's because these people heard the truth of the word. They heard the truth, and part of Peter's sermon is that King David, who's, who's a patriarch, right? They, they talk about King David. They love King David. Truth. King David is in his tomb. Truth. Jesus is not. Right? So that's the truth that these guys heard. It's the same truth that we see in verse 36, where he says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you've crucified. So, as we uh, kind of move toward the end, uh, I want to give you guys a little bit of a warning that I'm going to use adult language. All right? So, just so you know, that's coming. I'm going to use words like, I heard somebody laugh. It's not good. Uh, I'm going to use words like confess. All right? Hey, if you're not a follower of Christ and the Spirit's convicting you, you need to confess your sin. I'm going to use words like repent. All right? If you're not a follower of Christ and the Spirit's convicting you, you need to confess and repent. You need to confess that Christ is Lord. You need to repent from your sins. Um, you know, words like salvation, right? You're going to confess, you're going to repent, you're going to receive salvation that only comes through Christ. Okay? These are, these are grown-up words, guys. These are adult words. So, you know, it's that, it's that salvation that exists uh, in this scripture that I love so much, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, uh, so that no one may boast. Right? This is that beautiful scripture that says, look, your salvation is from God. It's not from you. I want you to understand this so no one boasts. Right? This is that beautiful scripture that helps us understand these things. So the last thing, so we've talked about being a part of the body, right? You're a believer and you're a part of the body. We've talked about what it means to be saved. We've talked about what it means uh, for, for the Spirit to change people. Lastly, I want to talk to the believers in the room uh, that may need to follow up with a believer's baptism, okay? One of the things that I think is important to us as a church, uh, I know that, you know, as elders it's important, is you're a follower of Christ, we want you to have been baptized, Okay, it's not because we want you to, it's because it's the obedient thing to do that we find in Scripture. And here's the deal, this is not about your salvation, this is about glorifying God. This is about having an opportunity to glorify God through obedience, right? This is what we want to be able to do with our lives. And also we talked about uh, being gospel-centered early on today. This is the outward expression of the gospel. It's literally being buried and death, and raised to new life, right? This is the expression of what Christ's life has done, and it's our opportunity to do that. And by the way, it is the most amazing thing to be a part of when we, when we baptize people. I absolutely love it. Um, I would say that and communion, these, these are things that are critically important uh, and really encouraging to the church when we get to do those things. So um, as we wrap up, I'm going to have an invitation uh, we're going to ask that you would come down if you need to. And there's really really three groups, right? Really three things. And that is, hey, you're not a believer and the Spirit's convicting you and you want to come down and you want to repent and you want to follow Christ, I want you to come down. 
You need to follow up in a believer's baptism. I want you to come down. You want to be a part of the church? You want to be a part of the body? And today is the day that you want to talk to someone about that? I want you to come down. All right? Hey, I'm going to pray. And then uh, these guys are going to play. And I'll be down here if anybody wants to come. Father God, uh, thank you so much for, uh, for your word. Thank you so much for uh, letting us be a part of your kingdom. Uh, letting us serve you. God, I pray for, uh, God, hearts that you're changing. Uh, God, for obedience. Uh, God, for faithfulness that we may glorify you in all of our actions. Uh, God, I pray that today uh, we would all be a part uh, of the body in the way that you have made us. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.